Blog Talk Radio. From days of long ago, from uncharted regions of the universe, comes a legend. What's wrong with you? My first thought would be a lot. Contact Henry Show. Whatever he is, he destroys. Daniel Digger. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, KM Production proudly brings to you the greatest wrestling talk show in the world. The K Dog, Ken Reedy, Diamond Dave Rosenbluth. This is the Ken Reedy Show. And if you ain't down with that, we only got those two words for you. How is everyone doing today? The number to call is 347-838-9815. This is the Ken Reedy Show, the best. In wrestling talk, and this has been a hot, hot time of year, having a good time talking wrestling. We got someone tonight is locked down, TNA's locked down, and Michael Lancaster, special correspondent in Nashville, hopefully be calling in at some point during the show to give us uh, what's going on down there, the climate in Nashville, looking forward to that pay-per-view. We're going to talk to that a little bit. And here at the Ken Reedy Show, we've been getting some uh, some contacts, talking to people, and you know... I find indie wrestling is alive and well in Connecticut. Uh, some promoters have been emailing me, so I said, you know what? I will get the word out there. Uh, you know, I'm willing to help. So just so people know that CTWE is presenting Brickomania 4 on April 28th in Bethany, Connecticut. Pro tickets are $12. General admission is $10. And our man uh, Vladimir is going to be wrestling at that event against Justin Credible. So if you're in the uh, Bethany area, check that out. And Wrestle Jam. Wrestle Jam is May 5th in Wallingford, Connecticut. $15 tickets. Kids are for $5. And uh, so that's going on. So if you're in those areas, be sure to go check out. Support Indie Wrestling. Um, looks like a couple of like, real cool events. And just let everyone know, um, we're working on something. There's a, a raw coming up in Hartford, Connecticut, and uh, we're working on having uh, maybe one of us at the event and one of us doing a live event at, at a local bar uh, so people can come on out. So we're working on logistics right now. We'll keep you posted as to what will be going on. But, you know, the Ken Reedy Show, we're going to be out live. We're taking the bus on the road. So come on out. Be sure to jump on board. And I really got to say, after last week's show, uh, please keep calling in. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five because I heard that yesterday, yesterday, last week, that people were calling in and they were getting busy signals and they were having a hard time getting through. Uh, I had a full bank of calls for most of the show and I got to say it, it was pretty. It was a lot of fun, but it was also very humbling. Um, and I, I'm truly thankful that you were calling. So keep the calls coming in. It was a lot of fun. Uh, love doing the show. Love. Uh, Talking about wrestling. Dave, last week's show, a lot of fun, huh? Oh, it was a blast, man. I'll tell you, the, the moment for me that really 
you know, that, that, I, that I think about last week was our first caller, Sean from England, that was on our bus in Miami on the way from the hotel to the stadium. And uh, that was, you know, you said you had goosebumps. I jumped out of my chair, and it takes a lot for me to jump out of my chair. So um, that was that was pretty awesome. The Ken Reedy Show, you know, made history with our first international caller from the U.K., and uh, it was just so cool. And it's, it's just a te- I, you know, not to pat ourselves on the back, but it's just a testament to what hard work and dedication and a good product that I think we have, you know, goes when we got somebody from out of the country calling us, listening to our show, and uh, voicing his opinion about the world of professional wrestling. I just thought it was awesome. Yeah, I think we, we, we might have something here. I mean, it, it's catching up. There's a groundswell, if you will. In There's a groundswell coming. We're on the way. We're, we're making some noise in this business. So come on board. Join us. We're having a lot of fun talking about wrestling. But you know something i got to say? Talking pro wrestling, I mean, we can talk and, you know, I'm willing to accept the fact that, you know, to a certain extent, myself, Dave included, and maybe some of our callers, we have a bit of an unhealthy obsession with pro wrestling, and I'm willing to accept that. But... Right now, I think it's exciting because not only do we have a, a, a great show going, and I think it is great. I don't think I'm, I'm talking hyperbole, but product right now, wrestling, it's a good time right now to be a wrestling fan. And I have found that when I'm out, it's interesting, and I'm sure Dave can attest to this, that wrestling fans, you know, we spend most of our lives defending being wrestling fans. You know, people, you know it's fake, don't you? Um you know, oh, I used to watch that when I was eight years old. I mean, we hear this stuff all the time. You know, you can be into anything else and people are respectful if they're not into it. Pro wrestling is one of those things that people feel like they can be completely disrespectful to your fandom, and it's okay. So pro wrestling fans love it when they find someone that they can talk to about it. They, they become downright giddy children. And I have found as of late, like just walking around in, in the bars, out, that people are just striking up conversations about pro wrestling. And I haven't seen this in a long time. I haven't seen people wanting to talk about pro wrestling. But people like, especially with The Rock being back and, and Brock Lesnar, um, people just want to talk about pro wrestling. And wrestling fans are chomping at the bit to find someone to talk about. And I was thinking about this, like what what's going on? Why is this? Why are people so excited about pro wrestling? And, you know, there are a lot of good things going on in pro wrestling right now. Um, and one of the things I thought about is, you know, I've complained about this. You know, there hasn't been continuity in the big titles. The big titles continue to change hands a lot. Case uh, in point, Johnson has the record for 10 reigns as WWE champion, but he's only fourth on the list as far as the actual time he's held the title. You know, look at what's going on now. Both TNA and the WWE, both champs, CM Punk and Bobby Roode, have held the title since around November. Continuity with the big belts. That's a good thing. Um, Rock, Jericho, Brock Lesnar, all coming back to the business as of late. It's a good thing. It brings in those not only those hardcore fans, but those borderline fans. 
Tag Team Wrestling, the Motor City Machine Guns are healthy and back on TV. TNA has finally found something that works for Samoa Joe. Team came up with Magnus, giving them the tag belts. It gives some interest to, to him as well as the tag division. The shows right now have all been solid to, to great. Raw after WrestleMania, where you're looking for that hangover, was amazing. Impact has been a solid TV show, a solid two hours of entertainment pro wrestling. You with the business. You got guys like Daniel Bryan, Dolph Ziggler, Cody Rhodes, Austin Aries, great young athletic talent on their way up, on hungry, on their way to making serious, serious noise in the business. You look at TNA, they have a healthy Jeff Hardy. Let that sink in for a second. A healthy Jeff Hardy, who, as far as I'm concerned, is looking better than he's looked in quite some time. And I've never been the hugest Jeff Hardy fan, but I'm really enjoying what I'm seeing from him, and I'm looking forward to a really great match with him and Kurt Angle tonight at lockdown. WrestleMania was amazing. A great WrestleMania Pretty much top to bottom, a great show. And for tonight, and we'll get into it more in depth, Lockdown's card, very, very promising. Top to bottom on that card, a very promising pay-per-view. I mean, what do you think, Dave? I mean, the past few years, could this be one of the best times to be a wrestling fan? Um, yeah, I, I can't remember really. But it, it, it's odd because... You know, March of 2001, the wrestling the wrestling landscape changed when Vince McMahon purchased World Championship Wrestling. And, you know, a lot of hardcore fans had thought, well, you know, we're going to see what we've always wanted to see, the dream matches with the WCW and the WWF at the time. And Vince kind of wiped that pipe game out of wrestling fans, and uh, he took a watered-down version of World Championship Wrestling and put it on his television you know, product, and for, you know, the better part of six months, you know, I still watched, but WWF at that time, it just wasn't the same, Um, and then it just kind of, it kind of felt that way for many, many years, there wasn't that, you know, that buzz that wrestling had on the mainstream television audience that went, you know, translated to radio and, you know, talk shows and sports and it's kind of gotten back to that in recent years. The last time I could really honestly remember wrestling overall as a whole being very exciting, I would have to say, I would have to say in the in the uh, spring of 2003, and Vlad brought Vladimir Joseph brought this up last week on the program about how he thought WrestleMania 28 was the best WrestleMania since WrestleMania 19, and. Um, WWE at the time they had brought back Hogan, they had you know Steve Austin and The Rock in that in the, on that card. Shawn Michaels was returning, um, Booker T was going to get a push, Lesnar and Angle main evented that WrestleMania, and like everything was you know just seemed to click and work real well. And, and TNA at the time they had only been in business for just about a year, but they were starting to gain a, uh, a, a an audience, and nobody thought they'd last six months and. They they were starting to develop some of their young guys and uh, you know uh, push that push that talent and I, that's the last time I could honestly say I could really remember when wrestling the overall landscape was good um, where every everything on TV was solid to great so 
But yeah, it's a great time right now. It's it's that WrestleMania hangover hasn't taken place yet, which uh, I'm waiting for the hammer to drop eventually. But both both <laughs> products uh, both products have, been, have done very well so far right now. I'm I'm I'm, I'm proud to be a wrestling fan. Yeah, and, and you know, and it's funny because I said all wrestling fans that are, that are listening, and and you know, think about. It. Let's enjoy this. Let, like nothing's perfect, and there are things to criticize right now, and I get it. But you know what? You're right. There's going to be a time. There's going to be a time, quite honestly, in the not too distant future. We're all going to be sitting there being, what the hell are they doing? You know, they're going to do something that's going to have us scratching our heads, whether it's TNA, WWE, or or both. Um, but you know that'll happen. Uh, but now it's a good time. I mean, I got done, you know, watching Impact. It was a solid show, and you know, I, I for the first time in a long time with TNA, I find myself psyched for a pay per view. I'm really looking forward tonight. I think it's going to be a, a good pay per view, and they've done a really nice slow build with uh, Bobby Roode and James Storm. It's been nice how this has evolved. They didn't. Uh, you know, take the title of Bobby Roode too quickly. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, what you want in wrestling, and I said this before WrestleMania, you want those matches that cause, you know, some suspense. Or you want to be able to look at it, you know, as a wrestling fan, as a seasoned wrestling fan, um, you know, you start to figure out exactly what's going to happen. It gets really easy to predict things. Uh, when they keep you on your toes, that's a good thing. And I find with this slow build right now, I can see the title going to Jane Orm, and I can see Bobby Roode retaining, which, you know, adds some drama, and that's a good thing uh, for the match. We're going to get into TNA a little later, kind of examine uh, everything going on with lockdown. Like I said, Michael Lancaster, our special correspondent in Nashville, hopefully we'll get him in uh, at some point. But I'd like to talk about the one thing that's got the whole wrestling world abuzz, and like I said before, uh, with so many callers last week, we didn't even get a chance to talk about the return of Brock Lesnar. Here comes the pain. Although I don't know if he can bring the pain right now because he, he looks like he needs to hit the gym uh, a bit. Although I wouldn't say that to his face. But um, Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily doubt if he could bring the pain because if you watched Monday night, he definitely brought some bloody pain to John Cena's mouth. So, But we'll get into that in a minute. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting because it looked like, you know, John Cena looked like he, he finally got his Red Wings on a Monday night. Um, but it's interesting. I mean, with Brock Lesnar coming back, uh, it adds some interest. And I'm going to put this out there right away. Now, I get it. I get it. You know, don't – I don't want people calling me like, don't you get he's going to draw money. I get all that. You know, he'll draw money. He's going to be good for storylines. I get all that. I'm – being honest, as as a wrestling fan, Brock Lesnar's return did nothing for me. It really didn't. Uh, that guy left like a bitch. Um, again, probably something I wouldn't say to his face. But he did. He left like a bitch. Um, he badmouthed pro wrestling, wanted nothing to do with pro wrestling after he left. Uh, failed, failed NFL career. Uh, kind of a flash-in-the-pan MMA career. And then he kind of falls back on pro wrestling. Um, you know, whatever. When he left, I, to me, I was good riddance. Whatever, go. You know, if you don't want to be here, then go. It's kind of like what I was talking about before. Like, we, we as wrestling fans, we spend a lot of time defending being wrestling fans. Um, I got no need. I got no use for someone who's going to walk out of the business 
and kind of badmouth it on the way out. You know, be gone and stay gone. Uh, that was my attitude towards Brock Lesnar. So when his music hit, uh, did nothing for me, be honest. Uh, but I got to admit also, it's it's been an interesting storyline so far. I I think this will be part of uh, the build, the tear down and rebuild of John Cena. Um, I like what I saw on Monday night. Uh, the the fight uh, between him and Cena was interesting, and and Brock got his uh, one lick in, which is pro wrestling. Uh, that that first punch was a little stiff. Um, putting it mildly, Dave. What do you think about that? Mildly, I thought it was a. Um, I thought the pull apart on Monday was great. Um, I think that 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 stiff shot that Lesnar gave to Cena. I think uh, because he hasn't been in the uh, choreographed, scripted environment of professional wrestling. I think uh, he still had some of his uh, MMA roots that uh, that translated over to the WWE with that shot to Cena. I thought it was great. It it, it, it was very intense, and the crowd was into it. Um, I will touch on what you were talking about with Lesnar leaving. Um, the, my gripe about Brock Lesnar is, was sim- is similar to yours, but I just remember every interview he had done while he was a wrestler and post-wrestling, the one common thing that he had to say was, I was born to do this. I have an early Brock Lesnar DVD that you know, where WWE produced years ago when he just started, and he got really hot, and he just said, I was born to be in this business. So then he leaves, and he goes to try and pursue a career in the NFL, and it was a dream of his. And I'm not saying that everybody can't have multiple dreams, but the same thing he said, I was born to do this. And then when that didn't work out, he went to the UFC and competed in mixed martial arts. And the one thing he said was, I was born to do this. Well, okay, you were born to you were born to do something. The one thing you were born to do was collect a large paycheck for doing very minimal work. That's what you were born to do, okay? Exactly. That's my gripe with Brock Lesnar. But he's back. I'm not, you know, harboring a grudge or holding it against the guy. He's doing what he's got to do to, you know, put food on the table, I guess. So, uh, you know, more power to him. You know, everybody in this country, it's all about the dollar. So, you know, it's greed. It's money. Everybody in this country wants to make more money, you know, doing what they do. If you don't, you're an idiot. And uh, that's what he's doing. So, can't fault the guy for wanting to make more money and, and, and be comfortable and, you know, more successful. I agree with you. I mean, you know, it is what it is. I, it, You know, it's funny because there's part of me, again, I, I'm enjoying, I love the pull apart. I, I love the whole school. Um, I, I thought it was interesting. And you know what? And I, it was funny because I saw Cena coming down and, you know, we've talked about this on the show. I mean, we got two people here, like neither one of us are Cena haters, um, we recognize his shortcomings, but we also recognize the things, uh, you know, he's good at. And we don't hate on John Cena. When John Cena came down to the ring, when his music hit and he started walking down the ramp, and he had a smile on his face, and it was like all I could hear in my head is all the the little internet wrestling fans were all, you know, probably either texting their other wrestling fan friends or putting it on Facebook or tweeting it, like, why is he smiling? Here we go again, the goofy Cena smile. And I could hear that in my head. And all I was thinking was, I kind of agree with him. Like, damn, you know, he lost to The Rock. He gets F5'd. 
and he's got this smile on his face. And all I was saying was like, please, like, don't get into the ring and grab the mic and and give us like you know a couple of corny jokes and and you know a goofy kind of promo. And and he gets into the ring. I'm thinking, and he still has that smile on his face. And I'm thinking, shit, he's gonna ask for the microphone. And he's gonna make jokes, and it's really just not gonna do anything for him. And just without a mic, just says, I didn't get a chance to thank you for last week. And bitch slaps us. I thought that was awesome. And I thought it really added, a, a, or at least started to add an edge uh, to Johnson's character. A character that, let's face it, had become benign for a while. But with promos that he did with The Rock, and now just walking up to Lesnar and smacking him. And you know what? And he himself getting bloodied up, um, I just think that they're kind of starting to not, not recreate, so to speak, but they're, they're kind of trying to rebuild uh, the John Cena character, maybe bring back a little of the edge he had uh, years ago. Um, but I think the WWE has recognized that maybe John Cena has been a bit too benign uh, for quite some time. Wow, that, that sounded like a Dr. Seuss thing. He's been quite the I'm feeling it. What do what do you think about that, Dave? I mean the the you know, do you think I mean do you see that kind of they're 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 tweaking Cena a little bit? You you took the words right out of my mouth when you do about the smile and you know oh shit not again like you know I mean the dude had a bad week you know like you know if I have a bad week you, you ain't gonna see me walk around with a smile on my face when I walk into work and uh, you know I, that was the first thing I thought I was like oh no please don't tell me come on you tell a joke it's probably gonna be a poop joke or a dick joke and you know but, you know. All right, but at the same time, I also thought, well, if he does get on the mic, maybe he'll, you know, he'll he'll show some some of that edge that he had with Rock towards Lesnar, you know, because Rock and Le- you know Lesnar are similar to uh, you know their their stories as to you know how they left the company, you know, and uh, I thought maybe Cena would that would just kind of translate over to Brock Lesnar because they had worked so well for John Cena in the build up towards WrestleMania, but it was perfect, you know what I mean? Like if somebody comes out, you know, and you know if somebody comes to me at my job and introduces themselves to me by physically assaulting me, shits on, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not gonna fire, I'm not gonna fire back the next day and you know, you know say something witty or clever or funny, you know, to, to, to throw the guy off, um, unless he really messed me up in the head, then, you know, all bets are off. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, it was perfect the way it was done. Um, and it added that, like I said earlier, it added that intensity and uh, just kind of kept that buzz going. And uh, the one thing I was really surprised about, which, um, which uh, you know, a lot of people don't really figure into, but it may not have translated well um, from the live audience to television, but... Brock Lesnar didn't really get much of a pop in in D.C. on Monday. It was just kind of a simple, you know, halfway decent reaction. Maybe it was because he was aligned with, uh, you know, Laurinaitis. But uh, I thought it was going to get like a monster pop. And, uh, you know, I think think the Miami crowd really set the bar high, um, especially when he came back. I mean, I was in that building in Miami uh, two weeks ago. And it was unbelievable. 
It was just, dude, I can't describe it. I cannot describe the feeling when that music hit and everybody went. I'm looking around, people are jumping up and down. There was a grown man from Italy waving an Italian flag that was sitting next to me. And he was saying something in Italian. I couldn't understand what he was saying. But he was jumping <laughs> up and down when he saw Brock Lesnar. You know, it was like, Como se dice Brock Lesnar? You know, like he was going crazy, man. So, like, in D.C. on Monday, I was like, wow, like, either these people forgot about him or... Or, you know, they're kind of turned off that he's back, and they're not giving him a reaction. Like like we were talking about with uh, with Miz last week, you know. If you don't like him, don't react to him in any way. Um, but I think that has a lot to do with him being aligned with John Laurinaitis. But uh, it was good overall. I liked the segment. And I liked it, I liked too, with, uh, when Cena had, uh, you know, in the pole part, you could hear the the, the, the microphone work in the ring. He even looked at somebody and said, "Am I bleeding?" And uh, you know that was pretty cool. It just added that realism to to the uh, the, the segment. So thumbs up. For and me. some of the uh, some of the guys who ran out like looked a bit unnerved. Like it looked like you know. I mean, obviously Cena was probably not supposed to take a shot like that. So uh, you know, some of the wrestlers. I mean, you know, I'm thinking they're they're not that good actor, and some of them seem. Like is you know what's going on here? Like almost like wondering if it was the, the fight was real or not. But maybe they are you know good actors. But you know really like they they added a lot of realism to to the pull apart. Like these guys really wanted to get at each other. Um, you know everyone had very serious expressions on their face. Uh, it was just really well done. And I agree with you. You know it's funny. I do think you know you got to take everything with a grain of salt coming out of WrestleMania weekend and. You know, WrestleMania was hot, and and that Raw crowd was hot. Um, but you got to kind of like wait till you get out of there uh, to see what wrestling fans and wrestling crowds are really going to be like. That WrestleMania crowd, in general. Now, granted, this this year is really hot, but people make pilgrimages to WrestleMania. Uh, people come from Europe. We've met people from Australia, New Zealand. Um, those crowds generally are going to be pretty hot crowds, uh, and Europeans love to chant. You know, <laughs> they're soccer fans; they love to chant. So you got to kind of take that with a grain of salt. And and you bring up a good point because I was curious uh, what crowds would be like reacting to uh, like Daniel Bryan and Brock Lesnar coming out of uh, the climate of WrestleMania. And you're right; the the reaction was kind of lukewarm. Uh, for him, and the yes chants were there, but definitely less uh, than they were in Miami. Uh, so you always wonder what how things are going to translate coming out of WrestleMania weekend. I thought it was good that they aligned him with John Laurinaitis. Uh, Brock Lesnar has never been gifted a microphone, and remember back, I mean, Paul Heyman had a lot to do with putting Brock Lesnar over. Uh, so Brock kind of needed a mouthpiece. Uh, way back when, when he was at WWE, um, never, you know, being on the mic was not his strong suit, and Heyman was great at it, and it was just a good combo with the two of them. So, you know, some guys, you know, once you get past the comeback and the flash of, oh, my God, he's back, well, then you need some substance after that. You know, it's only that first pop it can only take you so far, and then you have to kind of do something with it. Um, so I think it's good. Um, it's also good for Cena because it's tough for any wrestling fan right now. I, I think it's it's almost – it may make wrestling fans ill. Like you can't cheer for anyone aligned with John Laurinaitis. 
So it, it yeah. immediately kind of puts in that category, and, and it helps uh, to start to uh, garner more applause and more cheers uh, for a John Cena. But at this point, let's see the phone lines. I think we got Tony on the line. Tony, you there? I'm here. How, How are you? Doing all right. How you doing? Tony, our guest right. blogger, recaps all the shows. Check him out on the KenReedyShow.com. Recapping Impact, SmackDown, and Ross. Check him out. Tony, what do you want to talk about? Uh, that was a lot. You know, like you were saying about the Lesnar-Cena pull-apart brawl on Monday. You know, I actually had the... I think I wrote about it in my blog, too. I wrote, you know, it's like I thought, oh, crap, he's going to come out and cut a cartoon-like promo. And then when he just slapped him, I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. And then when the, then when the, the brawl happened, it was like, Okay, this is this is this is some good sh- shit right here. You know, this is pretty good. This is pretty good. You know, this is, uh, but uh, the other thing that was you know the um, CM Punk and Chris Jericho. I think I actually uh, wrote about too. But you know, you know, it's how it was just like you know the week before Jericho cracks a bottle over Punk's head, and then the next week instead of like you know like instead of like looking for Jericho or whatever or selling the injury, you know, so like he comes out and gives us his. His straight edge origin, and then you have him going back and forth with Jericho on the Tron. I mean, I, I thought their delivery was good, but I, I just thought the promo went a little long. You know, it was it was it's it's kind of going into that Jake the Snake, Jerry the King Lawler kind of feud that they had a few years ago. Remember that? You know, when they had uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, that was that was that was pretty solid. Uh, you know, like I said before, you know, we're referring to Lesnar and Cena. Um, you know, if somebody hits me, you know, you come to my job, you physically assault me, you know, you're going to get a receipt. And, uh, you know, I thought it I thought it would have been better maybe if, like, Punk, show, like, if they did a skit where, like, you know, they showed Punk showing up to the arena and uh, he's searching for Jericho, you know, how he even, like, takes out a couple of people backstage, you know, to send a message to Jericho kind of thing. Yeah, you're right, Tony. That promo was a little too long. I'm not complaining about it. It was very intense and it felt like it was from the heart, but uh, maybe they should have gone with a different approach. Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, I think it definitely should have. I guess they, I'm guessing they'll do another match at Extreme Rules since that seems to be the. Uh, although <laughs> tomorrow night we're getting Punk and Mark Henry in an ODQ match, you know, which, uh, so I don't know what the hell's gonna happen there. And uh, yeah, I, I do think that that's kind of weird. I, I don't know. You know, I mean, I'm assuming Jericho will probably do something uh, in the match. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't get this kind of angle they're doing right now with like kind of inserting Mark Henry. Uh, in the yeah. mix, um, and, you know, I mean, who knows? It, maybe. And why why make it no DQ when you have a when you have a pay per view that where the whole gimmick is anything goes? It's like doesn't really make fans want to see want to see the pay per view. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, it's like, and you know, you're kind of selling the the pay per view as being you know, Second you know, almost like the most violent pay per view of the year. You know, it's Extreme Rules, and then you're you're kind of giving away uh, a no DQ match for the title. Yeah, um, early well, I mean, on. I mean, who knows? You know, I mean, I'm, I'm going to interferes and, and Punk drops the belt. Punk, uh, he might drop the belt to Jericho, but I, you know, like I just have this scary feeling that they're going to put it on Lesnar eventually. Because um, what, what's the pay per view? No way out. I think they're actually they're actually going to be doing the lockdown theme for that this year. They're going to have all cages. Wow. It's like, I don't know if you heard about that, but it's. Um, yeah, not every match is going to be a cage match. I just heard, like, the main event matches, probably, like, two or three um, that are going to be cage matches, but with, like, different stipulations in the cage match. They're not just going to be straight-up cage matches. So, 
Um, so yeah. they said something about new and innovative. I remember reading the press release about it the other day. Um, but you, I do, I, I do agree with you, Tony. I do see Lesnar eventually uh, taking the belt if they want to build towards him at next year's WrestleMania with The Rock, because that's the big rumor. Um, so eventually, I think Lesnar will get the belt. But I think right now they've got other plans for him, and obviously they they do want to um, see how far they can go, how much more far they can go with Jericho and Punk. Yeah, uh, you know what they could do. I mean, I, Punk and Jericho. I mean, you know, they had they had a great match at WrestleMania. They could have, a, you know, they could have another great one. You know, I mean, I can watch them. You know, you know, I can watch. I, you know, I can watch them all for real. I don't know why. Yeah, and they're, they're two good performers yeah. and two guys who, who get it. Uh, Tony, before I let you go, will you be watching a lockdown this evening? Uh, probably not, but um, I, I think it's this is actually like one of the few pay per views that actually that TNA actually put some hype into it's like you know they, a lot of times they treat the pay-per-views like you know like they don't matter but this one they were um putting a lot of focus on you know and the uh the, the james storm uh bobby Roode match and the um tag title match will probably, you know look like they, those could be the uh show stealers you know i i would hope you know and and you know uh storm and Roode should 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 close out the show i i mean i hope it does you know because it's like if if lethal lockdown does you know it's like with the Garrett versus Eric and Battle of the Bischoffs and all that bull crap, you know, it's just like, you know, it's like, does anybody else, like, does anyone really want to see, any, you know, Eric Bischoff and his son, you know, it's just like, I, I find that whole thing to be kind of, you know, it's like, even on impact, I thought with the exception of that stuff, and of course, the the wedding in the cage, I mean, I, I thought the, I thought this week's impact was a good show, except uh, except for those parts, yeah, but I, I thought they did a solid job in building up to the, uh, to the pay-per-view that they're going to be, you know, to the Yeah, I would agree. I thought, it was, I thought it was a good pact, and I'd agree with you. Yeah, and I don't think – I mean, the, the one thing I'm curious on the Lethal Lockdown match is, is how quickly Flair bleeds. Flair will be bleeding, like, you know, before he comes out. He doesn't care anymore. He's just, not even in the match, though, is he? He's not one of the first no, he's not. He'll bleed. He's, he's still going to bleed. <laughs> He'll, yeah, well, I, yeah, he'll cut like a an interview in the back and he'll turn red and burst a blood vessel or something. I don't know what the hell. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Tony. Thank you for the call. We'll talk soon. All right. All right, yeah. Take care, man. You too. Ah, uh, Tony V, our our blogger, our man. You know, he's he's great, man. I mean, there's no, you know, there's no one else who gives a more thorough review of the shows over the course of the week. And Tony V and his blog. So, uh, you know, great to have him on board. Check him out at thekenreedyshow.com. And, uh, you know, remember, call us now, 347-838-9815. That number again is 347-838-9815. And if you wish to email me, email me, Ken, at thekenreedyshow.com. So let's continue this conversation about John Cena and Brock Lesnar. And uh, interesting point, uh, started brainstorming on the show before, just jotting stuff down. And as we just talked about a little bit, you know, you have John Cena and The Rock, and their promos were, you know, a bit edgier. Uh, you know, Rock coming from a a different era, so to speak, as well as Brock Lesnar coming from a different era. Um, interesting that we, or we, I have complained uh, often about the PG rating in the WWE. Um you know, it, it's. I find it annoying. I find it benign. Um, it's bothered me, and I always, I always kind of felt that it was a, a, 
you know, because of Linda McMahon's political aspirations that, uh, you know, they moved into this PG kind of uh, product. That being said, I'm wondering, are they, I'm not saying they're going to change. I'm not saying they're going to, you know, move out of a PG rating. But are they kind of pushing the boundaries right now of what a PG product is? And the one thing that I found interesting is when John Cena was busted open, when he was bleeding, if you watch the show a few times, the camera, like, it was almost like they didn't know what to do because we have to show John Cena on camera. He's John Cena. This is like the, the big thing, the big confrontation, the big brouhaha. But he's bleeding, and we're not supposed to show blood on TV. We do. And the camera would, like, show Cena and flash off him really quickly. And I've noticed that the PG rating has been in effect. A lot of times, even if people bleed accidentally, the announcers don't make reference to it. Uh, they, they try to kind of skate around it. They don't talk about the blood in and of itself. Um, and initially, they were not talking about John Cena. I mean, John Cena is spitting out blood. And the announcers are not really referencing it initially. And I almost felt like at some point someone said something in the head, whether it was Vince McMahon or someone else, that was, we're going with it. This is gold. Go with it. Cena's busted open. And all of a sudden, announcers were referencing the blood. They were showing Cena. They replayed it a few times. And one of the techniques they've done a lot as of late is when someone bleeds, they flash to black and white. So if they're showing footage of something that happened in the past, even when they show like old, old footage, when there's blood, they flash to black and white. They did not do that on Monday night. They showed John Cena's busted up mouth in all its bleeding glory. And I am just curious, your thoughts, Dave, is the WWE at least toying with the notion that maybe we've gone too far with PG and we need to push the boundaries a little bit? I don't think that they feel that they've gone too far with PG because with the PG rating, it's more money in their pockets in terms of advertising dollars and marketing and uh, licensing uh, with Mattel, with the toys, and, you know, you know the, all the candy companies, and, you know, that are, you know, Skittles and, uh, you know, Snickers and all the sponsorship they have with, uh, with, with, with uh, younger consumers. Um, products. Um, I think that they. I think that they're realizing that, in some small form, that they are that they need to push the boundaries a little bit because things have gotten a little stale um, over the over the course of the past few years. Um, and I brought up the the realism factor in that Lesnar pull apart. Um, and the one thing that people don't mention that I think equates to this. You know that, that this you know borderline PG rating is not only have we heard some cursing on 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 the TV, you know, in in the Rock Cena promos, and uh, you know we 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 saw the, the the blood and it was referenced on television. But another thing that people, you know, at least the internet that I have not seen mentioned, and of course the internet is the the internet wrestling marks are the smartest in the world. They think that they got a brain is you know, bigger than <laughs> they think they got a brain is bigger than Vince McMahon's, but I, you know, I'd read reviews of the show, I read reviews of that pull apart, and there was not one mention of the fact that if you noticed all those guys that were out there, there were agents, you saw Billy Kidman, you saw Bill DeMott, 
you saw, you know, uh, Mike Rotundo and, and uh, you know, referees and, and roster members. But usually pull apart from the past, baby faces would pull apart the baby face guy that they're trying to block. And the heels would try and keep the heel that's in the other, other end of the pull apart away. If you noticed, there was a mix and match of guys that were out there that were trying to pull apart Lesnar and Cena from getting at each other. I, I think I even saw, like, Alex Riley and, like, Michael McGillicuddy and, uh, you know, Daniel Bryan, like, like staying close to Lesnar, and then, like, guys like Miz and Del Rio were near, like, John Cena trying to stop him. And it was just, you know, I thought that was interesting because, you know, in wrestling, heels agree with heels, baby faces agree with baby faces. But we've talked about this on the show that, the heels and the baby faces, especially pertaining to the John Cena character and to Daniel Bryan's character to a, to a certain extent. It's just, I think the company is just letting the fans dictate who to cheer, you know, who to cheer for. And, you know, it's like you said, almost like a soccer match. You know I mean? People are going to have their fans and just go roll with it, but they're not going to tweak that character to appease each audience, whoever likes the heels, whoever likes the baby faces. So I think that realism is, is is setting in to a certain extent on the on the product that goes along with the PG rating because with the PG rating there isn't too much realism. It's very you know cartoon fantasy like. I think that translates into it. And, you know, like I said, the cursing, the referencing of the blood, the very edgy storyline with Jericho and Punk. I think they realize that we got to turn it up a little bit, but not so much that we can't that we got to let go of the PG rating because average, you know, and, you know, if you, if you look back the attitude era, um, you know, they didn't have a PG rating. They were a TV 14 rating and they had a hard time in the early stages with merchandising and licensing and, you know, and, and sponsorship to get people on board because they had characters that, you know, that, that catered to the 18 to 25 male demographic. And you don't find too many, well, maybe you do, I don't know, but you don't find too many 18-year-olds collecting action figures unless, you know, you live in the basement and, you know, have a girlfriend <laughs> and, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, then, then that's a different story. But they had a hard time in the attitude there. I've heard stories and I've read about, um, you know, how, uh, you know, Vince would try and, you know, put this product out there. But if you notice, you'd see, a, you know, if you look back and you watch old footage, you'd see a lot of different advertising and sponsoring uh, for the company that didn't really cater to kids. And I think that's what they're afraid of, is the, is the fact that, you know, the advertising, the sponsoring, the dollar signs there will go away if they change the rating. But I think they're, you know, compensating by making the program a little bit more edgier, like draw, like walking that fine line. And right now I think that fine line's cool with me. Most of the marks will say, bring back the attitude era, this shit sucks, you know, this is terrible. You know, you'll hear it all day long. But uh, what they're doing right now is what, it works for this wrestling fan here. So I don't have a problem. I, I, anyone else has got a, anyone else has I got agree a with you. I mean, I, I think that – I mean, I'm willing to accept the fact that there's got to be compromise. And, and, I, and I get it. Like, it's – you got to make your, your cash. I'm not going to, you know, uh, fault anybody before Brock Lesnar. I mean, Vince McMahon – you know, is far more educated than than I am, and uh, has a better grasp of of the wrestling business than I do. Um, maybe not a better grasp of football, but a better grasp of the wrestling business than I do. So the thing is, I mean, sometimes you got to kind of trust in what 
is going on. And and it's interesting, you know, like you, you bring up uh, – you know, certain Mark fans out there and people like sometimes I, I'm sad for certain wrestling fans because I I do feel like sometimes like you know some wrestling fans just want something to complain about and this is something that we really should be enjoying and uh, you know people who were like outraged by Daniel Bryan's 18 second defeat now it looks like it's the best thing that ever happened for him so sometimes you got to kind of let things go and see they ha- how they develop uh, because people in creative obviously, you know, have long-term plans for people and have long-term storylines, and we don't know where they're going. But granted, sometimes they shit the bed. Um, When you look back, I don't know if we need to go to the Attitude Era, because parts of the Attitude Era, you know, they pushed the envelope, but, you know, that wasn't great either, all the time. I enjoyed the Attitude Era, but, you know, when, um, what's it called, when uh, Triple H... Was was in a casket. Uh, Bang Kane's uh, was his dead mother. Was, I believe he, he, tri, tri, Triple H posed. The, Triple H. Showed, I remember this vividly. Unfortunately, I remember this very well. Triple H was in a feud with Kane, and in order to get under his skin, he revealed a secret that Kane killed his girlfriend in a drunk driving accident. Now, which I didn't. I, 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 I the the concept there was a little shaky for me because last time I checked, Kane locked himself in a basement because he was burned in a fire for years and didn't re- appear until 1997 when he attacked his brother, The Undertaker. Right. But be that as it may, he had showed this video of what happened at his dead girlfriend's funeral. And so the video shows Triple H dressed up in a Kane mask, uh, one of those masks that they sell at the gimmick stand, and he climbs into the coffin in the funeral home, and the corpse is just, it's basically a mannequin. It's all, you know, he was mocking it. And it showed him, you know, performing a sexual act on this mannequin. And then the, the, to close out the, uh, the, uh, the, the skit, he, like, the head pops off of the, of the, the mannequin, and, like, there was, like, remnants like of, chunky. like, a brain. Like, yeah, yeah, like, he, yeah, like, like a brain and, like, he grabbed he grabbed it he grabbed the, the, the chop meat and he was like, I just screwed your brains out and then like they closed to it. That was the only funny part of the skit when he said that. I just thought it was so stupid it was funny, but yeah, they drew the line with that and uh there was if you remember the early stages of the attitude era, the, the Brian Pillman, Steve Austin gun angle. And uh you know that that was the early stages. They were testing the waters for that. And don't get me wrong, I thought that was a cool segment because it had never been done before. But they almost got thrown off the air by USA Network. USA Network was going to terminate their contract, and they were going to get thrown off the air. And as a matter of fact, they had to apologize on television about that angle. Um, the, the the following weekend on their recap, one of their recap shows, they had to apologize about it. They got calls from parents that you know it was just. It, 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 it caught on to the hardcore wrestling fans, but to parents of children who watched the product at that time in 96, they 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 were in large demand to USA Network for, for getting them thrown off the air. And the, from what I've heard, the deal was they told USA told Vince, if you, if you don't go out on TV and, and apologize for this and make this right, we're not going to show your content on our network. And he, of course, you know, jumped at the uh, jumped at it right away and said, "All right, I'll do it." So, but the and the thing is, like, at its moments, but it's, other than that, they sh- they they should just keep the attitude era where it is because 
I mean, my point, my point is that the Attitude Era, as great as it is, and, and you always look back on things with fonder memories than, you know, it, it probably was. But there were times, you know, Mae Young giving birth to a hand. Um, oh, God, was, please, let's talk, me, we'll talk about that. To be honest with you, I mean, I got to a point in the Attitude Era where, honestly, every Monday Night Raw, I was just sitting there thinking, all right, when's the glass going to shatter? Because at the end of every Raw, Stone Cold's going to come down, give someone a stunner, and we're going to have... I mean, it was like, it seemed like every week, it was like, all right, when is he coming down? And, you know, so there were times in the Attitude Era that, you know, was not enjoyable and, and you could be critical. Um, So I don't necessarily think just purely going back and saying, you know, screw the PG rating, we're just going to go... Uh, balls out is necessarily the answer. Um, but when you look back to the 80 product, um, way back when, um, you know, that I kind of grew up with, I mean, for the most part, the 1980s product was a PG product. And yes, they were a bit edgier than what we've seen out of the WWE in recent years. And maybe they're trying to move in a direction where, you know, we can mix it up a bit. And, and you know, we'll we'll keep things, we'll keep some goofy things and, and some stuff that's like comic relief. But, you know, we'll get a little edgier. Because, you know, again, the 1980s WWF, for the most part, was PG. But you look back on things like, you know, Piper hitting Snooker with a coconut on, on Piper's pit. I mean, stuff that was kind of edgy. So... I think they could give us something of a a compromise where those of us who have not enjoyed the PG era uh, maybe push the envelope a bit and keep PG rating, um, but just push it a little bit. I am happy with what I've seen so far. Uh, the two Raws after uh, WrestleMania have both been very, very solid shows. Um, but to me, they're definitely pushing... Uh, the boundaries, and even the the blood aside, and that's the obvious thing, and obviously they showed it on camera. But let's face it, the Jericho-CM Punk storyline, is it's a mature storyline. It's not necessarily a storyline for kids. Um, you know, older kids perhaps, but, you know, cracking a bottle uh, upside someone's head is not, you know, it's it's a bit edgier, or, or cracking the bottle in your hand and then spraying probably what was iced tea all over the place. Um, but it's still a mature storyline. Uh, so I, I'm wondering if, and I'd love to hear what you think. Is WWE moving in any direction? 347-838-9815. Give us a call. Um, but I'm kind of excited. I'm, I'm hoping that uh, they're moving in a in an edgier uh, direction perhaps right now. And I do think you kind of have to. You can't, if The Rock is going to come back, and who knows, I mean, he keeps a, Final the Rock is there and we're leaving, and then I'm I'm leaving, but I'm never leaving, and you know and all that shit. So, who knows with the Rock, and who knows, you know what he's going to be doing. But you know, he did kind of say that he'd be there next year at WrestleMania. He made his statement about going after the WWE title. Uh, we know that Brock Lesnar is signed for the year, and uh, is signed for quite a number of dates. He's got a you know, a light schedule, but a tougher one than The Rock got. So we're going to see Lesnar on TV. When you bring those two guys into the fold, um, it's tough to have the benign PG product that they've had and let those guys excel at what they excel at. So, 
you know, hopefully it, it's uh, it's going to be a bit edgier. And you know what? That being said, maybe they'll have Raw being a bit edgier and SmackDown being kind of family-friendly because this week on SmackDown, we had the blast from the past episode, which honestly I found enjoyable. I liked the blast from the past. And you know what? There are certain guys in the business that, you know, they have a brain for it. Get it. And damn it, Roddy Piper is brilliant. I love Roddy Piper, and I don't understand why. If anyone in the, the WWE is listening, man, what? if not once a week, can we get a Piper's Pit once a month? And why not? They've, they've gone through so many different incarnations of, of different talk shows. They try things. They fail. Um, you know, can we just have Piper's Pit? I mean, I would love Piper's Pit once a month. Why not? What I mean, what's he doing? I'm sure we could schedule. I'm sure if you called Roddy right now, we could schedule him in for at least once a month for him to be on Raw or SmackDown and do a Piper's Pit. But I, I think you know they're going to stick with Daniel Bryan as heel. They want to do something obviously to quell uh, the the crowd support. You know, maybe they don't want their heels being uh, cheered as loudly as Daniel Bryan's being cheered. The yes chants have subsided. Um, Barati comes out and does a real good job at, at you know, no one's going to boo Roddy. So gets, uh, you know, Daniel Bryan squarely in that, that heel role, especially with how he treated AJ, and gets him chanting 18 seconds. So the crowd turning a little bit on uh, Daniel Bryan. Um, I love Piper's Pit. I thought it was really well done. What do you think, Dave? I thought it was good, too. Um in recent years, uh, when Roddy Piper has come and, uh, you know, made appearances on Raw or SmackDown and done some Piper's Pits, um, they've been kind of, you know, obviously they aren't, you know, of the original form, um, you know, from back in the 80s, but they've been just kind of watered down a little bit. Um, I, I remember um, it was, I think, the fall, I mean, it was the fall of 2010 when they did the storyline with uh, uh, John Cena and Wade Barrett and Randy Orton heading into Survivor Series. And I remember the last Raw that they did. It was that old school Monday Night Raw. And it was a Piper's Pit with Orton and Cena. And, of course, the dilemma was Cena was the referee for that, that pay-per-view title match. And if Wade Barrett didn't win the title, Cena was fired. Um, but So it, it kind of like led you to believe that, you know, could he possibly screw Orton to keep his job? And they talked about the importance of the decision that he had to make. Um, and, uh, you know, his, his exit from Nexus, if, uh, if, uh, you know, if, if things gone, John Cena's, I think it was, if Wade Barrett, oh, if Wade Barrett didn't win the title, he was fired. Cena was fired. Yeah. But if Wade Barrett won, he was still in Nexus and, uh, Cena was the referee. And, uh, you know, Piper brought up the importance of the championship and the guys that have held it and really gave John Cena a heartfelt pep talk slash promo that really sold that match and made that match more important than it was leading up to the pay-per-view. And, uh, you know, everyone raved about it, and I loved it. I thought it was great. And then even this past week, the importance of, uh, you know, the dynamic of the relationship that, you know, Daniel Bryan and A.J., um, had that Piper brought up. Um, uh, he, he's a smart guy. He's, he's, he, he, he gets it. And, you know, it would be cool if they had a Piper spit, you know, once a month. Uh, but there was that level of intensity, and it made 
that it made those two characters with Daniel Bryan and AJ a lot more important, you know, from the endorsement of uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper. So I thought it was good. I, I, I liked it. And, uh, you know, maybe it sets up something where Piper makes an appearance again. He's got something going on with Daniel Bryan. Uh, granted, I wouldn't, you know, I don't want to see Piper with a shirt off in the ring, but uh, <laughs> if it was some sort of, if it was some form of a street fight, maybe if he put on a pair of boots and, you know, jeans and a T-shirt, you know, against Daniel Bryan, I think that'd be pretty cool. Uh, so, you know, once again, this wrestling fan over here loved it. Any of you marks that didn't like it, get in line to kiss my ass. And, uh, yeah. you know, that's... I mean, I like... I, I enjoy it. And, I, you know, it's interesting you bring up the, the old Piper's Pit with the, with the Nexus uh, story. I mean, what Piper did in that in that Piper's Pit was he put over the title. He really put yeah. over the, the importance and the meaning of the title, which... You know, over the past few years, you know, at times, a lot of the titles, you know, don't seem to mean as much. And he really put some importance there. I would love to see Piper more often. Um, you know, anyone who's done the talk show thing, you know, Edge has had his, Jericho, you know, and, and they've been good. No one gets it like Piper. I mean, Piper just does such a great job, and um, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought the show was solid. Um, you know, the mixed tag match was horrible. Uh, but it was short, which was good. So there's stuff that the stuff I didn't like on SmackDown. Uh, you know, I thought they kept it nice and short. Um, I, I liked seeing all the old guys back. Um, I don't get necessarily. I mean, it looks like they're kind of trying to make Ryback the uh, the next uh, Goldberg. I don't really understand how you make a guy look indomitable. By putting him against the smallest jobbers on the planet. I mean, they. Can, I mean, Jesus Christ, you and I are bigger than the jobbers they're putting in there against Ryback. So, I mean, I don't. I, I mean, I take my chances with the guys Ryback's wrestled so far. So I, I don't know. I mean, he's he's a specimen, and you know, I, I don't know if it's all natural. <laughs> um, but I, I I'm kind of curious, like where they're going to go with with the character because now they they've. Like, right now, it's weird, but they've had Brodus Clay, who is the Funkasaurus, but, you know, in all the singles matches, he's coming in mowing people down. Uh, we got uh, Tensei, Prince Albert, Double A, A-Train, whatever. Uh, he's here, and his matches are essentially squash matches. Um, and now we got Ryback, who's, who's kind of doing the same thing. I'm curious what they're going to do with, with all three of these guys, but Ryback especially, because, I mean, these are guys that I don't know... I don't know if they're waiting in line at the concession stand and they're saying, hey, you want to go in the ring? Come here. We're gonna, you're going to wrestle Ryback. Um, because these guys don't even look like wrestlers. You know, you, it's, it's interesting you bring that up because for years I've been hearing it on television, or I've been hearing it on the Internet, and well, I think we've even talked about it too. The enhancement matches were a thing of the past in the 80s. You know, when, when I used to watch wrestling on Saturday mornings, you know, it would be an hour, two hours, and you'd see guys, you know, dominate the enhancement talent, and then maybe you'd have, like, one or two, you know, matches with two superstars. And then, of course, that landscape changed when, you know, when when Ted Turner and WCW put a show on Monday nights, and it was all, like, main event, you know, matches with guys that were evenly matched, and you didn't see the enhancement talent on television anymore um, against, you know, a, a superstar. But that's how they used to build superstars. That's how they build, you know, that's how they used to build guys like, you know, 
Um, you know, Yokozuna and, you know, and then even Goldberg had some early enhancement talent matches when he had his run in WCW. So, yeah. I mean, I don't mind it. Um, it, 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 it shows, it shows the, um, the, the skills and the ability of a guy like Ryback, what he can do, um, against, you know, obviously it's a smaller guy, but, um, I think it also just, it gets people's attention that, you know, he's going to, him, like guys like him and Lord Tensei, um, it gets people's attention that you know uh, that these people, these guys are going to be a big deal. So that when eventually a guy that matches up to their size comes out and you know throws his weight around and wants a shot at him, it'll make for a uh, a, a, an interesting uh, a, a matchup. Be it you know let's say you know Ryback right runs through a jobber and then the following week somebody like uh, shit I don't know uh, Mark Henry comes out and then you got that you know the that that the you know Godzilla meeting King Kong concept, you know what I mean? So I'm 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 cool with it. You know I like the Ryback. He's got a good look and he's you know impressive and uh, you know we'll see where it goes. Yeah, I mean I I get you know and and you're right. Like that's how they built people up back in the day. I just you know it's almost like I wish they uh you know had bigger jobbers <laughs> like guys who like look like wrestlers. Cause like so, the guy he wrestled. Yeah, I mean, it was awesome seeing clothesline take him. You know, take the uh, I can't even remember the guy's name. Uh, take that dude out of his uh, shoes. Um, That's why they're enhancement talent. We don't remember their names. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, I'd like to see maybe uh, something more uh, impressive uh, or a more impressive looking uh, guy on the other side of the ring. Um, I do like the fact they're kind of doing this thing where you know people are gathering around the TV. Uh, backstage, so they're kind of making, uh, you know, Ryback's matches, event matches. Um, but I'm curious, like, where they're going to go because they got three right now that essentially are are just dominant uh, figures, and I'm kind of curious where they're going to go with them. Um, but again, like, whether you you love it or hate it or kind of are indifferent about it, you know, obviously the match was short. So I, I did find on SmackDown that the negative was kind of short. Uh, love seeing. I mean, how do you not love seeing the uh, the old guys back? I mean, it's it's great seeing all of them, and uh, you know Tony Atlas still looks great, and that guy looks like he's still getting the ring. And um, you know the way everything ended was awesome, and and my perception after coming out of WrestleMania and maybe W Creative did not uh, anticipate the backlash towards Sheamus uh, beating Daniel Bryant and uh, trying to. I mean, I think this guy's got a huge future. Sheamus is going to be around for a long time. And his name doesn't come up, but when people talk about John Cena and if John Cena wasn't the face of the company, um, and I mean face in both the wrestling sense and the business sense, um, who could be the face of the company? And don't be surprised if Sheamus is one of those guys that, you know, they're at least thinking about. Um, Remember, he's Triple H's workout buddy. Um, you know, he's got a very unique look. Uh, he's likable. Uh, you know, he's doing all the anti-bully stuff, the be a star stuff. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, they're grooming him uh, to be a pretty big deal in the company. So I thought it was a good idea the way they surrounded him with all the uh, the old timers at the end of SmackDown. Because uh, there's no way. No one's going to boo that group in the ring. And him being surrounded with all of them. Um, I thought it was a good move, uh, and you know when he gets his bro kick in again on Daniel Bryan, 
um, which I thought was great with Piper on the apron going, look behind you, behind you. No, really, cross my heart, look behind you. Um, I thought it was good stuff. I thought it was a fun ending. Um, I did think that maybe someone spoke in the headsets and said, we're running short on time. Michael Cole, get in the ring and do something. Because that whole thing seemed a little forced at the very end. Um, but other than that, I, I found myself uh, one of those wrestling shows that I kind of had a smile on my face for the, the bulk of the two hours. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. It was, uh, it was cool, you know, seeing all those guys. Uh, my only gripe I have is, you know, I love Jimmy Hart. I think he's great, and I thought it was cool that he came out as like a guest manager for Heath Slater and Tyson Kidd, and they and they brought up like you know. Jimmy Hart's history with Bret Hart and how Tyson Kidd was the last, you know, member of the the Hart Dungeon, and you know Heath Slater's the one man rock band, and they tried to make a comparison, you know, in in a, in a hokey sense to Honky Tonk Man, and that's why he was managing the both of them tonight. And uh, but I didn't get the Foley thing. What, you know, he comes out in commentary. That's great. It's cool to see Mick Foley, but what was the point of him giving the mandible claw or the socko to uh, Jimmy Hart? Like I didn't understand that. Like, I, I agree with I, you. I, I, think, I, I think it's a bit forced. Yeah, exactly. It's like, all right, we're going to fly you in. You're going to come out. You're, I mean, granted, you know, I don't know what kind of contract Foley has with them, but, you know, it was the easiest night of work he's ever had in his entire life, probably. Um, you know, yeah. you sit down, you talk, and then you come out, and you, 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 you stuff a sock that's probably, you know, smell like smells like ass into somebody else's mouth, and, uh, you know, you leave and you go home. <laughs> so... It was a good night for Mick Foley, but for the wrestling fans, everyone was just like, you know, at least in my, you know, me personally, uh, I was, I was, you know, wonder, I was just scratching my head at that. But I will say it was definitely a, a fun show, and I will say that I did have a wonderful time chatting with myself on the Smack Super Smackdown <laughs> show on the Ten Weeks Show Facebook page. I'm really feeling the love from all, all 162 of you that like the Ken Reedy Show. I'm feeling that co-host love, so. Uh, you know, I'll be I'll be back again at some point, you know, to to host the chat. So you're more than welcome to not join me again, like you like you all did this past week. Thank you very much. Yeah, unfortunately, I, I had a prior engagement too, so I was not watching SmackDown Live. So uh, yeah, Dave Dave was kind of on his own on that. It was very it was very schizophrenic. Watching yeah, you have you a conversation. I was on medication or something, you know? Like I was taking meds, like talking to, talking to myself, for God's sakes. Every time I look at my notifications on Facebook, I'm like, all right, who is it? Who is it? Who is it? And then I'm like, damn, it's nobody. It was just me for some reason. You know? <laughs> it was weird. But I had a good time with it. It was fun. And, uh, you know, I'm willing to stay. You know, I'm a team player. I'm a Kennedy Show team player. So it's, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be more than willing to host a chat. And if anyone would like to join me, you're more than welcome to join in on the chat. So, uh, you know, just remember that. That was good stuff. Well, speaking of Facebook, we had Ken Reed's show, a uh, Facebook poll question this year. Just see what people are thinking about the business right now. And we got a fantasy draft. What would you do if you had your own company and you had the wealth of talent around the, the world right now to put together your, your own uh, promotion? And we got some amazing responses. Uh, I'd like to... Derek Emanuel uh, gave us, he would take Cena, Rude, uh, Austin Aries, Punk, and Bully Ray. Uh, for tag teams, he'd take Machine Gun, uh, Motor City Machine Guns, the world's greatest tag team. He would take Velvet Sky and Christy Hemi as his women, and Jim Cornette as the GM. So, interesting take. Uh, Jim Cornette, good 
good pick right there. Good, I think that would be a good, solid uh, roster. I'd, I'd watch that. Good start. Um, also, we had Michelle. Uh, she drafted Cena, Sheamus, Punk, uh, Bully Ray, Jeff Hardy, uh, Beth Phoenix, and Mickey James. She wrote Kelly Kelly. Just kidding. Yeah, no one's. Why? Well, you know, whatever. Uh, Motor City Machine Guns and the Usos. And for a character, even though uh, he's a wrestler, she took Santino Morella as the character. Um, but she said if that doesn't count, but, you know, other rules, <laughs> um, she would take uh, Vicky Guerrero. Also a uh, very good pick as far as, uh, you know, a character, so to speak. Um, thoughts, who would you take in the fantasy draft? All right, well, you know, I was thinking about this long and hard this morning, and uh, as far as um, as far as five singles competitors go, I'd take Dolph Ziggler, I would take Bully Ray, I would take Chris Jericho, John Cena, and Randy Orton. Tag teams, I would take, I was, I was a little indifferent about the tag teams, I wasn't so sure, because tag team wrestling just isn't, um, you know, uh, what it used to be, but I would take the Motor City Machine Guns because they have that, you know, baby face appeal, and, you know, there's in tag teams back in the day, you needed that, you know, small baby face, you know, like good-looking, lovable, you know, but cool at the same time kind of appeal. And uh, the other tag team that I didn't, I think Pat Crowley may have, I, I want to say Pat Crowley was the one that mentioned it, and I couldn't agree with him more, and I normally don't agree with Pat on much, as everybody knows, um, but the team of Charlie Benjamin and Shel- uh, Charlie Haas and Shelton Benjamin, who are in Ring of yes. Honor, they were Team Angle. They were the world's greatest tag team. Um, I think that they have a a, uh, a scaled down but still good modern day version of what the Midnight Express were back in the '80s in the NWA. Um, I think that uh, you know those two teams to start off would put on some tremendous matchups. As far as the girls go. That Phoenix is is on my list, and I was up in the air about another girl against her. I was I was in between Natalia and uh, and uh, Mickey James. So one of those two, um, flip a coin. I don't care anybody can pick, but one of those two, along with Beth Phoenix, would be my divas. Um, yeah, we got single tag team and diva. And as far as the general manager goes, um, I would go with Vince McMahon. Like the authority figure, Vince is probably the, probably has been, been the vet, the best authority figure. And there's been some good ones out there. Bischoff was good. Teddy Long's not been hasn't been so bad. John uh, John Laurinaitis is coming into his own, but Vince McMahon is the one that really, um, you know, embellished that heel authority figure in wrestling. Bischoff was the one that started it in WCW, but Vince made the, made that role, you know, for for years to come because of his performances. Um, there was one thing that I didn't, that I thought that could have been added to this fantasy draft that you had posted, Ken, um, and adding uh, announced teams. Because obviously you got everything else there, you got to have an announced team. And I thought of, obviously, my favorite, Jim Ross, as one of the lead announcers. And not Jerry Lawler, because I think his act is kind of stale. But I would have put, um, put Jim Ross and Taz together. Because I always thought that they had a good dynamic and a good combination um, when they were briefly uh, 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 commentating on television. But I thought maybe the announcer element could have been added to it, too. But 
Um, other than that, I thought it was a good concept that got a great response on the Facebook page. Yeah, we got some other ones here. Uh, Anthony Buchanan actually said he's taking AJ Styles, CM Punk, Kevin Steen, Dolph Ziggler, and El Generico, Motor City Machine Guns, and he's putting the Hardy Boys back together. Carmen Beth Phoenix and his character is Vicky Guerrero. Uh, Pat Crowley was taking Steen, Lesnar, Storm, Ziggler, uh, Danielson, uh, World Greatest Tag Team. He's taking his GM as Hulk Hogan. Dank, our man Dank. He's taking, he wrote actually Cena. Daniel Bryan can't stand him, but he's huge right now. Ray Orton, Steve Austin go to town with Bryan. Uh, Ray Mysterio, Edge and Christian, and the Hardy Boys. That's someone else putting teams back together again. Uh, Beth Phoenix and Trish Stratus, uh, and Stephanie McMahon as uh, his character, uh, so to speak. Uh, interesting. Um, the interesting thing is, you know, when I look at like a Steve Austin, and I'm thinking like, my the purpose of the draft is like if you're drafting right now. Uh, so Edge is obviously health is suspect, and Steve Austin's health is suspect. Um, but interesting list, nonetheless, and some of those guys would draw some money. Joe Miko, Kevin Steen, Dolph Ziggler, CM Punk, Daniel Bryan, and Cody Rhodes. Kings of Wrestling and the Young Bucks, Mickey James and Jessica Havoc, and Paul Heyman. Uh, Paul Heyman, a great choice there as far as uh, character goes. Uh, Justin Rosenbluth, you know him well. Cena, Rock. <laughs> Cena, Rock, Punk, Brock, Triple H. Karma, Natalia, uh, Motor City Machine Guns, and Satino Brodus. Uh, and then he writes, my promotion draws money. Good luck with wrestling. And he goes on to say, Hogan as GM. Uh, good choices. The funny thing is that that promotion would make a lot of money, uh, but he'd be spending a lot of money on salaries there. Um yeah. Good choice. Yeah, definitely. The, 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 internet, the internet would be all over him about, you know, about just about the oh, same. The internet would be all over him about the choices that he made. But, uh, oh, yeah. Well, the one thing that, you know, is interesting about it, his choices is, again, like the draft is, as of now, 2012. Um, I don't know if I would be drafting. I mean, Rock, Brock, and Triple H are all part timers. Um, so, again, all great names that definitely would draw money. Um, but as of now, 2012, uh, it's a big chunky roster that's going to be uh, part time. Um, so that's interesting. As far as my list goes, and uh, I kind of like, and I had a little bit. It's funny because I'm looking at at Heyman. I'm like, oh, that's a good one, but I can't replace my my character was Hogan. I'm a mark for Hogan, um, and I'm allowed. I'm allowed to mark out for one guy. Hogan, my guy. Um, Cena, rude. Punk, Ziggler, and Bully Ray are, are my five that I'm, I'm bringing up on singles. Tag teams. I'm bringing Magnus and Samoa Joe. Love that tag team right now. Love seeing Samoa Joe uh, back and, and enthused. And uh, I'm bringing Sheldon and Harley as well. My ladies are uh, me, James, and Beth Phoenix. So that's my draft. And... Uh, with Hulk Hogan as the GM, yeah, I do believe that my promotion would be drawing money as well. Um, but it's a fancy draft, so we can only dream being in charge of our own promotions. That's fun. So hey check now, hey now, the dream is over. 
Facebook.com slash the Ken Reedy Show. Again, that's Facebook.com slash the Ken Reedy Show. We always throwing up stuff there uh, for you know wrestling and then talks and opinions and surveys and what have you. So go check us out. Tell your friends to go and like us. We've gotten uh, like a few more likes over the past couple weeks. Let's let's keep it going. Let's keep the bus moving and rolling forward. Get on the bus. Come on, join us, the Ken Reedy Show. Give us a call, 347-838-9815. But without further ado, I mean, come on, let's get right into it. It's time. We're about 45 minutes away. Lockdown. TNA's lockdown tonight. Uh, Looking at some really good matches. Um, This is one of those cards, man, top to bottom. uh, It's a good card. And you know what? With TNA right now, if there's anything... And you could say TNA does better than the WWE. It's it's tag division and their their ladies, the knockouts, and and those matches are not piss breaks tonight. What do you think? Um, I I I, I could agree with you. I'm, I like the, the dynamic of Joe and Magnus versus the Machine Guns, two big guys like them against you know those the, the two smaller smaller guys. It'll make a good dynamic in the cage. You know, we'll. Uh, will do well for itself. I mean, um, Tony mentioned it earlier, how lockdown has always been a heavily hyped show for TNA, and they don't really disappoint. You know, you can, you know, they, 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 uh, they, a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, insight and, uh, you know, thought is put into this pay-per-view, and um, it's pretty solid. It does pretty well for itself. I'm going to tell a small story. I just read this on the internet the other day. Somebody's writing a, I think it's a book, or it's an online blog about, like, stories about TNA. And the lockdown, the lockdown concept came up at a booking meeting. At the time, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, was booking TNA, and uh, he was the head booker. And this was, like, 2005, I want to say. And Dixie Carter was just starting on as, like, going through the day-to-day wrestling operations you know, of, of the company. And they had a booking meeting, and they were curious as to what cage, what match did they want to put in the cage as the main event, or how many cage matches they wanted to do. And Dixie or Dusty, you know, they're, they're going back and forth. Did they want to do the Lethal Lockdown? Did they want to do the World Title match? You know, did this feud got some steam to it. Maybe we should end it in the, in the cage. And Dusty comes out just jokingly, half-assed, half-assed, and said. Why don't we just put all the matches in the goddamn cage? And yeah. Dixie stood up and said, that's a great idea. Guess what? Every match is inside of a steel cage. Promote it now. And Dusty was only kidding around, and it stuck. And I don't think it's a bad idea. A lot of wrestling fans will say, oh, every match in a cage, you know, it, it, it's watered down, and, you know, these feuds don't need to end in a cage. But I don't think necessarily it's about, you know, putting a feud into the cage, I think the whole lockdown concept is really about selling the cage and the character of the cage itself as opposed to the storyline. You know what I mean? Like, they, people say, oh, that cruiserweight match shouldn't be in the cage. Or the women's match, it's not believable in the cage. They're not going to do anything in the cage. I think it's just the aura of the cage itself that sells the pay-per-view and that does well for TNA. Um, so I think overall, the car, you know, from looking at the card, I think it's really good. Um, I, I look forward to watching it tonight. I look forward to Lethal Lockdown because I got you know the War Games roots in me from you know the National Wrestling Alliance. I look nice. forward to Angle and Hardy 
Kurt Angle is always going to do something crazy in a cage. Past two years, he's pretty much, you know, practically committed suicide inside that cage um, with some of the stuff he's done. And the title match, Rude and Storm, the culmination. It's in Nashville. It's in, you know, the home state of James Storm, the challenger. It's got that, you know, that big fight feel to it. Um, I look forward to it. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a good show. And they're not and in how Orlando. That's the other part. They're not in I mean, Orlando. They got a, a newer hot crowd. I'm sorry, TNA Connect Zone is just so important for them. And, you know, I'm looking forward to, you know, again, like we talked, you know, we talked about Raw and WrestleMania. You know, there's something about a hot crowd. And uh, the interesting thing is, you know, I'm, you know, getting out of the, the Impact Zone. I mean, you know, it, it gives you that, that big event feel uh, that that's hurts Impact Zone. I found it interesting on Thursday. I thought the Impact Zone was pretty hot. Uh, the crowd seemed really into it on Thursday, and, and it's hit or miss uh, in the impact zone. And, you know, talking once, actually, uh, Pat Crowley, uh, he went down in the impact zone. He said that, you know, since they give away tickets there, a lot of times it's families just are trying to get in from the heat uh, down there in Florida, and they go in and they just want to sit in air conditioning. And, um, you know, it's got to be tough as, as a performer, as as a wrestler to uh, perform in front of a crowd like that. So, you know, in Nashville, they're going to be in front of a, a pretty hot crowd. Um, that being, like you said, and let's, why don't we talk about that match right off the bat? Uh, you know, the James Storm-Bobby uh, Roode match. Um, taking it back, Beer Money, one of the greatest tag teams uh, in recent memory. Uh, highly decorated, you know, uh, best friends. They sold all that, and... Uh, Finally, they they break up, and uh, Bobby Roode becomes the leader of the selfish generation. Uh, I think this whole build has been great. Um, I think it's been a slow burn uh, that's been underlying for a while. Uh, They've made Bobby Roode a strong champion, as I said earlier in the show, continuity with the belt. Uh, I believe it may have been actually on Halloween that he won the belt. Um, so he's had the belt for a while. Um, this storyline has been brewing and brewing and finally going to come to a head inside the steel cage. Um, and as I said earlier, I think that, uh, you know, I don't know who's going to win. And that's what's uh, really good about a match of, of this magnitude is is coming and thinking, well, both guys winning makes sense. Now, there's always been a tradition in wrestling that, uh, you know, you don't do well in your home crowd. So, uh, you know, I'm not so sure if, I, if I, I'm going to see Storm go over here. But um, what do you think? Who, who do you think they give the strap to in this match? I think they will give it to Storm. Um, I mean, he technically only had the ball for a couple of weeks the first run, but that was basically for the, the storyline purpose of the bigger picture to, you know, give the, the nod to uh, Bobby Roode. I think Roode's done well in his role as the man in TNA with the, with the heavyweight championship. I think they are going to give Storm that feel-good moment. He's been there since day one. And I'm not talking like a couple of months in. He was on the very first show of TNA. And he, um, you know, he deserves it. And he's over with the crowd. He's got a good character, and it's believable. And, you know, he puts on good matches. And, you know, I think uh, – I don't think he's going to set the world on fire, and you know, uh, you know, Axis Hollywood's going to be calling him for an interview. But um, I think, yeah, I think it's, I think it'll be a good fit for the company to have him as uh, the heavyweight champion. Um, I'm going with James Storm. 
I guess I, I'm I'm going to agree with you on on that. I, I that it would be, um, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I don't know how long he's going to keep the belt. And and Bobby Roode is a star, and I would expect him to be at the top of the mountain at uh, sometime again in the not too distant future. But for TNA and and what they are and how they you know they're always you know they're the run to the litter. You know they're the the Younger brother of the WWE, always always just trying to make their mark. And, uh, you know, at times it seems like they can't get out of their own way. And, and at times they, they do stuff the right way. Um, I think for this issue, uh because it is a good card, because it's out of the impact zone, uh, marketing, you want that moment. You want to be able to, to televise that moment. And in Nashville... I'm I'm going to assume that the crowd is going to be into it, it being his hometown, you know, for him to win the belt, uh, standing aloft uh, with the crowd going crazy. Maybe we get some pyrotechnics or some confetti falling from the ceiling. Um, I, I just think it's a moment that TNA can market, uh, TNA can replay. Um, it was just something good for them because in the impact zone, they have... I mean, watching stuff on the Impact Zone, it, it has an indie promotion feel to it. Um, and not that that's bad, because a lot of indie shows are great to see. I don't mean it like that, but they, they, it just seems like small time. Um, it just seems, when you watch them in the Impact Zone, uh, it's like you can't even dream of these guys ever competing legitimately with the WWE. Um, so if you can create a big feeling moment... Uh, I think it's important for TNA to create that. And so I would see, I would think James Storm is going to go over and win the belt, and we're going to see a substantial celebration at the end of the preview that uh, will probably be replayed, not the match, but they'll probably replay uh, part of the celebration on impact. So we're agreeing there. We'll go through these yeah, predictions. Well, let's see, let's see how. Here's the thing with that, Ken. I'm sorry to interrupt. The TNA would okay. have to do something. TNA would have to do something very cool, innovative, and interesting in order to keep the belt on Bobby Roode, and they would have to have a plan in place as to why they did that going forward. And I think it's culminated long enough where it's time for Storm to get, you know, his his run, and you know, it's time for Roode, you know, to get his comeuppance and. This also, you know, with James Storm possibly winning the championship and Rude dropping the belt, this doesn't hurt Rude by any means, and this will help add more heat to his character and build towards, you know, another opportunity at being the champion in the in the future. So, I mean, it's cool that we agree, but I, like I said, I think they would have to do something that n- nobody would see coming to have Bobby totally Rude the James Storm yeah, in think- his heart state. For for Bobby Roode, it, it adds depth to his character. I mean, someone look. Let's face it. I mean, the, the me generation character that that he's playing right now. And look, we we've met people that that you know go through their lives with a, with a sense of entitlement. Um, the funny thing is, when people of that ilk uh, get disappointed, it's kind of entertaining to watch them. Like, wait, life is not supposed to do this to me. And and I think done the right way. You know, tweaking Bobby Roode's character. Now he's not the champ. Now it's wait, this is not supposed to happen to me. Like this is my my way is the only way. You know, I, I think it could be a it add some depth to his character. Um, it, I agree with you. it. Would add 
more heat, um, you know, because now he's he's gone from being champion to being kind of a, a whiny bitch wanting to get his belt back, um, you know, and, and who knows? And then you can bring, you know, after he, I would assume, you know, loses his rematch, uh, you could have him, you know, wanting another rematch and, and Hogan coming out and saying, you know, you're going to have to go bottom the, the bottom of the line just like everyone else and, and earn your your spot again, and that'll give him more heat. So I think, you know, that it's been a great championship run, and I love Bobby Roode, and I think he's got a tremendous amount of talent. Um, I think this is going to be good for him to drop the belt um, and add some depth to his character. I'm going from there. I'd like to jump a little bit, and, and I'd like to talk a little bit about the knockouts match because – like I said, there are certain things that TNA does do better than the WWE, and the women's division is definitely one of them. I think we got two ladies who in, who can form, who can. I'm looking forward to seeing what they do inside the cage, and they got a crop of knockouts over there that are not afraid to do some crazy shit. Uh, remember uh, Mickey James going off off the top of a steel cage uh, a year ago, a couple years ago um, uh, versus Tara. Uh, so someone who you know, the ladies are not afraid to mix it up inside the steel cage. Um, I'm looking forward to a decent match between uh, the Sky and Gail Kim. Your thoughts? I think, I, I yeah, I look forward to it as well. Um, the the match that, you know, Velvet Sky, I mean, uh, I'll go on record saying she's a friend of mine. Um, she lives in the area in Connecticut. I've known her for about, you know, over 10 years. And, uh, you know, I've seen her start from the beginning, and to see her and put in this position, it, it's very rewarding. I'm happy for her as a friend. Um, you know that she's in uh, in a, a top tier feud in the women's division. I thought it was awesome that when she won the belt at Bound for Glory, I even I even texted her before the show. I said, "When what, what match are you going?" I said, "I'm going on fifth. I said, "All right, I'll make sure I'm you know I'll make I'll make sure I pay attention and watch it." I got a, a DVR the pay per view, and uh, I texted her after that. I said, you know, it was awesome. So glad that you won. You deserve it. You know, you've been one of the best things on that show since you started with the company, and it's just so cool that, you know, I got to see you from the beginning, how you, how you first started on the indie scene, and look where you are now. You should be proud of yourself because I know a lot of people are. And she was like, she texted me back and said, that's so awesome that you said that. That means a lot to me. Thank you so much. Um and then they kind of cut the legs out from under her. They took the belt off of her. Um, Gail Kim had made her rival into TNA, and once they took the belt off of her, they just kind of didn't really do much with her. And I thought to myself, you build a, you build her up for months as being this, you know, pretty girl who got bullied when she was a kid um, to, you know, winning the belt, and then she wins the belt, has it for a couple of weeks, and then you give it to a girl, uh, and they went, Gail Kim, rightfully so, is a talented women's performer. I'd put her in the top five women wrestler, women's wrestler of, you know, in, in recent memory. Um, but you give the belt to somebody who's just coming back into the company, who left the company a few years ago so she can make more money in the WWE, and that didn't work out for her. And now she's back, and you're going to give her the belt over somebody who basically was a homegrown talent, who you made a name, who you made into a bigger name on a national level, I just didn't really, I mean, as a friend, yeah, I'm biased in that sense, but as a friend of hers, I was, I felt, you know, I was like upset in a way, um, but it's cool that they put her back in this position, and it's, it'll come, it'll, like Rude and Storm, it will culminate full circle. I think 
you know, Kim's run as champion will will end tonight. And I think, you know, my, my good friend Velvet will walk out with the title and, uh, you know, hopefully she'll have a better run than she did the first time. This is wild because I agree with that one too. Well, yeah, I, I, I think, think right. I agree with you. I think they're going to, you know, um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, you know, there's some sort of shenanigans with Madison Rain. Um, but I, I'm looking, you know, it's, and Velvet's over with the teammate crowd. I mean, they they like her. Um, Gail Kim has definitely run her course for a while. I think she needs to, uh, you know, be knocked down a few pegs. The other thing also that, that I always found interesting, and I and I agree with you, I think Gail Kim is, is a tremendous talent. Um, and who knows with why she got the belt so quick uh, when she came over. Uh, maybe she's like, I'm coming. I, you know, I, she was starving for a storyline, obviously, when she was in the WWE. Um, the interesting thing is, you know, on some levels, I, I do think you kind of send the wrong message as a company when, you know, you take someone from the WWE and they come in and immediately win a title. It's almost like you're saying, yeah, WWE is better than us. Their talent is better than us. And when their talent comes to us, they dominate immediately. Um, and I know yeah. it's just the, the women's vision, but I, I, I wasn't really... I, I know I, I didn't think that that was the best move by TNA to give her that belt that quick. Although, like like we both said, you know, very talented performer um, has held the belt for a while. So I'm looking for her to drop the belt. So we're looking for uh, two title changes uh, so far. Let's go to uh, why don't we go to one of the lower level titles, um, Robbie E versus Devon. Um, I'm looking at that. I mean, this match. You know, decent performer is probably the match I'm looking forward to least on the card. Um, I'm looking for Devon to retain uh, right now as as TV champ. Um, not a big deal. Not really going to elaborate on that match, but I, I think Devon's going to retain. Uh, what do you think? I really don't care. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I really don't give a shit. Um, yeah, I don't care. I don't. All I mean, right, moving right along. Yeah, there's no appeal to it. So, uh, guess who's going to win? I win, because I'm not going to give a shit about that match. That would be my piss break. I win. So, I'm looking to Matt Morgan and Crimson. Um, I'm looking for that to be kind of a violent match. Uh, I should say a hard-hitting match. Uh, two um, not overly skilled guys as far as their wrestling ability, but two bohemoths and two strong guys. Uh, tonight is the night... That Crimson streak ends. Matt Morgan gets his victory over Crimson, according to me. Thoughts? Um, I don't. You know what? Watching Crimson, he's got a good look. He's, uh, you know, skills in the ring aren't the greatest. He's, he's a little green from what I from what I've seen. He's gotten a little better as the months gone on. I think putting him in a tag team with Matt Morgan was there to hide his. Uh, Disabilities in the ring, but he has improved. He can he can talk. He's got you know he, he doesn't have a gift of gab, but you know he comes across you know solid on the microphone. Um, nothing to write home about. Um, but his that streak that they had had with him, that like Goldberg like streak, um, it didn't come off too well to me on television over the past few months. And um, I think in order for him to in order for them, if they want to continue this streak angle or, or, or at least put the streak at the 
forefront of a storyline. I think he's got to, I wouldn't say dominate Matt Morgan, but he's got to really beat him up pretty good in that match to, to make that streak believable, in my personal opinion. So I'm I'm going to go with a Crimson victory here. This is the first disagreement we've had. Uh, but I'm going to go with a Crimson wow. victory. Okay. And I, At least yeah, you have I, one. I think we're going to that to that. Yeah, so I, I, I don't know. I just think I, I agree. It's funny because I agree with you with the streak, and I, and I don't think the like I'm unimpressed with the streak. To me, it's like all right, it's just time just to to end it and and move on. But your thoughts is it's time to make the streak mean something. So our our, our thoughts behind the match are the same. We're just seeing a, a different result. So all right, that's the one we differ on. Let's go to uh, uh, Anger versus Hardy. Uh, that's a match that I think, uh, you know, at times, you know, with the, the Bischoff angle and the, the Root Storm, maybe a little lost at times uh, on TNA, but um, I think this is going to be a, a hell of a match. Like I said before, we got a healthy Jeff Hardy as of late. Um, I think he looks great physically and just looking at him uh, on TV. I mean, his eyes look clear. Uh, you know, if you can make that uh, judgment, but there's just something about him. Like, he looks great, and like you said, Angle uh, will do something crazy probably um, off the cage. My thoughts in this match is, due to outside things going on, i.e. Angle training for the Olympics and trying out for the Olympics, I see this being a very good match, possibly a card-stealing match, but Jeff Hardy will be victorious, and we might see Kurt Angle disappear for a while as he trains for the Olympics. What do you think? Took the words right out of my mouth, my friend. What's going on? Did we, like, did you get the memo or something today? Did we, like, talk about this over, you know, man, uh, we're on a roll, except for that last one, of course, but, yeah, both guys are going to go nuts, and, you know, I remember watching a couple, it was Last year, I think yeah, it was last year, Angle and Hardy had a pay-per-view match that went like 25 minutes. There was a couple of overtimes because of a time limit draw. It was to determine who was going to be the new world champion or face the world champion, bound for glory. And it was an awesome match. And now you add that element to the cage, and it's only going it, to—I th- I think it's only going to get better, um, despite the injuries that Kurt Angle has sustained um, in his uh, training to uh, go to the Olympics. So I think, you know, I think, yeah, I think Angle will do something crazy and it will translate to, you know, he went too far in this match to try and beat Jeff Hardy and Jeff Hardy will come up victorious and we'll see Angle fade away for just a little while until he heals up and, uh, you know, Hardy will come out victorious. Would you look at that? All right, let's, let's hit the tag match. Again, um, you know, this is another one of those areas right now that, uh, and I, and growing up like as as a kid and growing up in the '80s, and you know, got to see a lot of great tag team wrestling. I mean, the Hart Foundation, the the Rockers, uh, you know, even lesser ones like, like Killer Bees, uh, British Bulldogs. I mean, there were a lot of just uh, great. The Road Warriors, great, great tag team wrestling, and I always enjoyed watching great tag team wrestling. Um, didn't know uh, if it would work when they put the two of them together, but I like Samoa Joe and Magnus a lot as a tag team. 
Uh, if you want to see good tag team wrestling, uh, TNA has been much more solid in this area than WWE in recent years. Um, Motor City Machine Guns, one of the best in the business, finally healthy and back on track. Looking forward to this being a very interesting match. Conflicting styles, to say the least. Uh, definitely a David and Goliath kind of matchup uh, between the two of them. Uh, but to sustain what is uh, maybe like, you know, the most substantial run Samoa Joe has had in quite some time, he's relevant. He's good. He seems, just looking at him, his performances seem on point. Uh, I've always been a Samoa Joe fan, but, you know, recently I, I just thought kind of looked lethargic and apathetic. He seems into it right now. I like this teaming, and I, I think to perpetuate this and, and to keep this going, they have to win this match. They have to beat the Motor City Machine Guns. I'm not saying that down the road piece we're not going to see the Motor City Machine Guns with the straps on uh, around their waist, but as of tonight, Goliath is going to beat David. All right, before I give you my prediction, there's two schools of thought they could go with this. Number one, they could have the machine guns pull out the victory in tonight's match and set up a rematch, obviously, for the next pay-per-view, or hell, even on Impact, you could have the Machine Guns pull the upset victory out, and Joe and Magnus could add more depth to this team and this character, these characters that they have, and be more ruthless and like take out the Machine Guns or you know attack them you know, on Impact and to set up a future match with the two of them. Um, and they and they and they you know they they lose the belts and then eventually they'll get them back and they'll be more ruthless than they than they were when they first started. Um, and of course the other school of thought is the machine guns just came back and, you know, you, you're in a situation where Joe and Magnus, this was kind of, I think, put together by accident. I don't think they knew what they were doing here, but it's worked. Um, yes. and sometimes in wrestling, when you put two guys together for a tag team, opposites don't necessarily attract these two opposites with Joe and Magnus too. And I think, you know, and it's working. And so, Having Joe and Magnus stay on as champions would be the smarter move booking-wise. But, like I said, you could go the other thought that the Machine Guns pull out the upset victory, Joe and Magnus take them out after the match, the Machine Guns don't get to celebrate, and it adds more depth to the character of these two guys and more ruthless that they want another... They, they're, they're so angry and pissed off that they lost the belts like that that they want another opportunity. They want another shot at the titles, and it makes it mean that much more about the tag team championships to these two guys, especially two guys who were polar opposites that had no intention of teaming with each other. So, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, you know, go in agreement with you on this one once again, <laughs> and uh, and pick Joe and Magnus as the winners of tonight's uh, World Tag Team Title match. But this won't, this this series of matches with these two teams will not end, and this match will definitely not disappoint. Oh, totally agree. And and before we get into the, the last match, we're going to go to the the phones. Cole, are you there? Hello? Hello. Hey, Tom. Hey, Dave. It's Dank. Hey, Dank. What's going on? Not much. Um, I actually have a comment and a question this week. My comment is, um, uh, um, well, I can never remember. 
I really don't understand why the you were talking about like um, tag teams, and um, I remember when I first started watching it with Dave, it was around the time of the Hardy Boys and and Edge and Christian were on top of their game. The Dudley Boys were around, and it just seems so bad that they let the tag team, even just the tag team belts, fall to the wayside as much as they did. I mean, I saw some tag team matches which were just so amazing that it's they can never be repeated. You know, like the TLC matches they used to have with the three teams that I mentioned. And now it's like they took a backseat to, you know, the one-on-one wrestling and all the other storylines. And I really wish that they would find a way to bring him back and bring him up to the point where, you know, they were almost as important as winning the heavyweight belt or the WWE belt. I, I can't agree with you more. I mean, I, I'm I'm really disappointed with what they've done with, with tag team wrestling in the WWE. I mean, I think what's done is they've missed the boat a bit. And the way they used to bring along some young talent is, you know, once they break in, break them in as a tag team, let the, you know, if they have some talent as a tag team, let it go for a while, and then eventually you can split them up and, and let them run as singles competitors. And, you know, a lot of times when I see guys coming out of uh, FCW or new guys, you know, coming in from the independent scene into the WWE, I I don't understand, like, why they don't take some of them and just come in as a tag team. You know, bring them in. You know, they, they've been, you know, so many guys that they've they've let, like, just languish. Uh, you know, younger guys, um you know, why not bring them up as a tag team? Because one of the things that I do think is, is lacking in the WWE is tag teams that are tag teams. You know, it seems like they're always trying to put two people together and then call them a tag team for a little while. Um, you know, now we have the Usos, who I like a lot, um, and the tag teams that are, that are actual tag teams. Um, but they could bring some guys up and bring them up first off as a as a tag team, I mean, they couldn't have put Drew McIntyre with a partner uh, to find something for him. I mean, that guy, to me, got some talent. He's got a good look, uh, but they can't find anything for him. Um, I think that would kind of solve your problem with guys getting kind of lost in the shuffle. Um, you know, even to a certain extent now, you have Vicky Guerrero managing Ziggler and Swagger. You know, why not put those two guys fully into uh, the tag division and have Vicky Guerrero going after the tag belts. It would give the, the tag championship uh, some heat, uh, some attention, and, uh, you know, it would give, like, a real definitive storyline for those two guys who are very talented uh, in-ring competitors. Um, so I, I, I think it's it's possible to fix. I just don't know why exactly uh, they've decided to kind of shit on those belts. But I agree with you. I, I Growing up, I loved watching tag matches and like you're saying the TLC matches in later years um with the Hardys and and the Dudleys and uh, and Christian um it's a shame it's gone with WWE even the rock and sock connection had it certain like yeah it was it was a funny gimmick but it still looked good it still felt good cuz you know you, it was like these two completely opposite style wrestlers put together for a while and it it, it seemed to work but it just seems that after that, they were just kind of like, eh, you know, the, the fact that the tag team belt at WrestleMania wasn't even part of the the pay-per-view. It was 
go see one of the dark matches. To me, that's like that's almost heartbreaking how much they've fallen from you know fallen to the wayside. But, I, I, you're preaching to the choir. I can't agree more. Yeah. Um, my question is actually this. I wanted to ask it last week because it would have been more fitting. But you were talking about um, uh, it had been uh, what 20 years since the Andy Kaufman and uh, Jerry Lawler fight had happened. Now, in your opinion, and this goes out to both of you, really, who is or who would you consider to be the best heel in the WWE ever? Like, who stands out when somebody says, oh, he was like, you know, he, he really came out, and right now, right now Jericho is pretty much filling that void. But in the history of WWE or any kind of wrestling, who do you think the best heel, like, portrayed the best heel? Oh, interesting. And uh, hmm, I, I have to think about that. And, uh, you know, Dank, we're running short on time, so thanks for the call. I'm going to let you go. Um, Dank brings up a good point. Um, you know, who is the best heel ever? And we are running kind of short on time, so you know what I'm going to do? We're going to discuss this because I want to think about this. The guys that jump out to me, um, you know, Piper when he was a heel, uh, definitely a, a great heel. There's heel managers like Bobby Heenan that jump out. Um, Hogan's run in, in the NWO, uh, later years when The Rock turned heel. Um, I really want to think about this. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to throw this. It's going to be this week's Ken Reedy Show poll question. That's going to be the survey this week. I'm going to post it a few times on uh, Facebook, uh, uh, Ken, uh, facebook.com slash the Ken Reedy Show. Uh, who is the greatest heel ever and why? And, uh, I'd like to hear your thoughts out there in uh TKRS Nation, let us know what you think about who the best heel ever is, and we'll discuss that uh, next week. Because I got to say, Dank, it's a great question. Um, we got about 10 minutes left in the show, and it's going to take a little bit of thinking about this. Um, you know, Flair is another guy that, that comes to mind, uh, uh, greatest heel ever. So um, I'm going to think on this, put it up on the Facebook, and we'll discuss it next week. Uh, anything you'd like to add to that, that Dave? Uh, yeah, some of the names you mentioned, uh, I would I would happen to agree with you. That's something that I would have to think about too, long and hard. So, uh, no, that's a that's a great question, and uh, you know, I will uh, I will uh, post my uh, my thoughts on next week's show. Nice. So let's get back into it because we're we're running short on time, and the last match uh, we're going to talk about is the Lethal Lockdown match: Bischoff versus Bischoff, and I pick. Off. So I know I can't be wrong with this match. <laughs> I'm okay. actually going to go with the way this match has is, is been being set up, and uh, Eric is such a evil bastard and such a horrible father. And it's funny because I, I know you know a lot of people can't stand him and, and whatever. I I actually have always loved Eric Bischoff as a character. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it does behind the scenes. I've heard some bad things. I've heard some good things. I don't know. I don't work for the company. So we can all sit here and speculate what he's like behind the scenes. Um, I read his book. Seems like an interesting guy. But I absolutely love Eric Bischoff as a character. And uh, I'm looking. Eric's going to win tonight. Eric's team is going to win. This is going to be the big, substantial heel uh, victory of the night. Um and poor little 
Bischoff Jr., Garrett Bischoff, is going to lose his name, which I don't know what exactly that means, but uh, uh, maybe he's just called Garrett now, and you know who knows. But I'm saying that Eric Bischoff's team is going to win this match. What do you think? You know, here's my thought on this match. Number one, being an old school wrestling fan, I've always been a big fan of war games, and I'm glad that you know TNA has brought that concept. Those, those lethal lockdown matches are always fun to watch. Regardless of who's in it, it's always fun. It's like watching the Royal Rumble. You never know what's going to happen. Um, but the, the Bischoff versus Bischoff story, it doesn't really appeal to me too much. I don't really have, like, I, I can't, you know, I, I can't get into it. And the, here's the thing. Team Garrett Bischoff, First of all, he's got to get rid of those sideburns. I'm sorry. Those sideburns. I agree with you. Go. Those chops are just brutal to look at. Maybe it'll make him some money someday. Maybe, maybe you know, the, the marketing department and TNA will, will make a T-shirt out of it or they'll fucking sell attachable sideburns for fans to wear like they do with Zack Ryder's wig on, you know, WWE. But, you know, if anybody's listening in TNA out there, you can thank me for the credit that I could give you to, to you know, use that for merchandise purposes. But anyhow, the guys that are on team, you know, Garrett, you got Rob Van Dam, who just returned. You got Mr. Anderson. You got um, AJ Styles, Garrett Bischoff, and Austin Aries. And it's not believable, in my opinion, that this young kid who just got into the wrestling business a few months ago is leading a team with all these guys who have that experience. If I were an AJ Styles or a Rob Van Dam or even a, a, an Austin Aries, why, you know, if I were on that team, why would I want to let this kid lead us into battle? If you know, if we're talking, you know, if we're not breaking kayfabe here, why would I want this guy who has no experience whatsoever take us into this brutal match against a team of guys who have far more experience in the wrestling industry? So, I think. I'm 50-50 on this one. I don't know where it's going to go. TNA's booking in the past, obviously, has been a little shoddy. It wouldn't surprise me if Garrett Bischoff's team were to win and Garrett were to get the victory over his dear old dad. But I think it could add a little more depth to this storyline if Garrett Bischoff's team loses and it sets up some dissension among that team. And maybe they go with a storyline where this kid doesn't know what he's doing. You know, the only reason why he's here is because of his father and of Hulk Hogan, you know, because of Hulk Hogan, um, who's now in charge of the day-to-day operations of uh, Impact. But um, I'm just going to – the safe bet, I'm going to go with Garrett Bischoff's team as the win. I, I, I would – your logic, Ken, is perfect, and I think it would be it would be great if you know Eric Bischoff's team were to win. But um, I just think that they're gonna that, that's gonna be the one match where the people are gonna be shaking their heads like, really, like they put this kid over, you know, like they, you know. So as long as Hogan and, and Bischoff are in charge of TNA, that's that I think Garrett Bischoff will receive a push and be around, and it's and he'll uh, you know he'll come out victorious. His team will, I should say. I want to see the over/under on flare bleeding, flare flare bleed at some point. We got about the show. Great show tonight. So we've gotten to the point real quickly. Our segment, and if you ever want to go on Facebook, post your nod of approval. 
by all means, post it. But here's a little segment where we talk about things that we've liked over the course of the week. So... The Ken Reedy Show, not of approval. So, Dave, who are you giving your nod of approval to today? My nod of approval is a little more personal. It's not anything to do with what has taken place in WWE or in TNA or in the wrestling uh, in our world in general, but this goes out, my nod of approval goes out to the Ken Reedy Show Nation. There are creeps that are out there. Um, I want to thank each and every one of you that listened to the show. Last week was awesome. I want to thank the people that I've spoken with um, that have, uh, you know, taken a liking to our show and have given us our support. I want to thank uh, First Class Vladimir Joseph, um, first of all, for uh, uh, giving us his form of a nod of approval on Facebook this past week. I think that was very awesome of you, my friend. I'm so glad I met you in Miami, and uh, you're a stand-up dude and uh, just a quality person to be around, and I'm proud to call you a friend and a member of this this thing of ours that's that's happening. And we're only going to get bigger, and I thank each and every one of you, all 162 of you that like, some of you that don't, that haven't clicked that like button yet, you better, because this bus is moving and it's not stopping, and this is just a, such a cool thing to be a part of. I look forward to Sunday night, 6 to 8 p.m., every single week. No matter what happens during my week, you know, if I had a bad week at my day job or, if, you know, I, I just some personal stuff that took place that, you know, I, I won't mention, you know, this is my release. This is my release, and I'm so glad that everyone's a part of it, and I can't thank everybody enough for uh, for uh, supporting the Ken Reedy Show. Thank you. And that my nod of approval goes to the TKRS Nation. Nice. And how how can I argue with that? I mean, I'll uh, I will concur. Like I said earlier in the show, it has been uh, a very humbling experience uh, over the course of the past few weeks. And the people who are listening and supporting us, um, I, I can't thank you enough. Uh, just given the support, um, people are are into it. People are. You know, they will come to uh, the live show we're trying to put together. So, um, you know, can't wait for that. So uh, really looking forward to getting that off the ground. Um, so, you know, very cool. And I agree with you, you know, the whole week, you know, might have a tough week. But, uh, you know, I look forward to doing the show each and every Sunday, 6 to 8 a.m. And you know what? Um, it's funny because someone said to me recently, like, do you do that for a living? Hopefully soon. <laughs> So hopefully we'll get the show up and, and running, uh, but uh, we're, we're only going to move up with this. So uh, I thank you uh, for your support. Uh, as far as I'd like to put in a wrestling-related, and I'll just throw it out there quick, my nod of approval in the wrestling world, I'm going to shoot it at, at TNA. Uh, it is the first time in a long time that I'm really looking forward to a TNA pay-per-view. Uh, I think they've done a nice job with the storylines. Uh, most of the matches should be good. And even, you know, I'm not totally the, the Bischoff storyline, um, but you know what, that match, even if it's a shit show, it should be fun. I'm expecting there it to be kind of violent, a lot of blood. They have some good performance there, so I'm um, looking forward to that. So, again, primary nod of approval to the TKRS Nation, and my wrestling-related nod of approval will go to TNA and what they've done setting up 
this pay-per-view. Well, we've we've come to it. We're uh, almost out of time. Great show, partner. Yeah, it's been awesome once again. Awesome. Well, I came in way too loud. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, technology. We got about 20 seconds left. So, partner, great job today. As always, uh, this is the Ken Reedy Show. Thank you for tuning in. Please check us out on Facebook. Email me if you'd like. 6 to 8 p.m. every Sunday. Best is Pro Wrestling Talk for Dave Rosenbluth. I am Ken Reedy. Thank you so much for tuning in. Take care, everybody. Have a great night. It's time for lockdown. <laughs>